Welcome back to another episode of the R Squared Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Levy. In this episode, our guest is Seth Partnow. Seth is the assistant editor at Nylon Calculus. He also writes for the Washington Post's Fancy Stats blog, uh, B-Ball Breakdown, and several other sites. In this episode, we talk about some of the challenges in measuring individual defense, Golden State Warriors, and some of Seth's work with the public sport view data this year. All right, how you doing, Seth? Welcome back. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, I was just scrolling through the files as I was getting set up here, and it's been since November. Uh, obviously, we talk a lot more regularly than that, but it's been since November since you were on the podcast. Well, the the the, uh, the, the, the behind the scenes machinations are uh, are are endless. But... <laughs> Yeah, uh, so uh, <clears throat> a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot's happened since the last time we had you on the podcast, but. Um... I wanted to start, <clears throat> we're recording this uh, right as the Wisconsin-Duke game got started, uh, and so I wanted to throw something at you that's maybe only sort of tangentially about analytics, but I uh, was watching the Wisconsin-Arizona game last weekend and thinking about uh, the characterization of of Arizona as a talented team and the characterization of Wisconsin as a skilled team, and uh, so I'm wondering about your thoughts, uh, and I guess maybe the same is true for Duke uh, as a talented team. Um and so I'm wondering your thoughts about like uh, a Venn, a mental Venn diagram of talent and skill, and where do they overlap, and do they overlap completely, or are they entirely separate? Or I mean, it's a to some degree, it's it's kind of definitional splitting hairs. I think kind of where people get into trouble is whether you call it talent or athleticism or 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 raw skill or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, the the kind of the physical ability and um, it gets too often divorced from kind of the the decision making process mm-hmm. the, like the the level of physical uh, you know whether however you want to measure it in terms of like acceleration leaping ability w- whatever is is cl- is so close that the the thing that that differentiates people at the elite level is mm-hmm. is the you know the correctness and quickness of of the decision making, and it's not just decision making in terms of that pass, this pass. Mm-hmm. Decision making, I pump fake, jab step, one dribble left. That, yeah. Those are all decisions, and the people who make those better more often are the better players. I mean, you know, I think anytime this sort of debate comes up, the classic example is like a, a Paul Pierce. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, he's, they talk about him having that old man game, but that's that's what it is. It's it's you know. All right. If I get my defender to take one half step backwards, then when I pump fake, he's coming towards me, and then he's going to land on me and foul me. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's you know that's skill, but it's decision making also. And that's um, when we talk about someone being good at basketball. That's that's inherently part of it. Mm-hmm. It's funny to me because when I think about it, uh, I think there's, I mean, they're both sort of like loaded terms and especially in the context of like Wisconsin and everything, you know, and everybody else that they've, that they've beaten in this tournament, you know, um, I think the sort of the implication is that like talent is a physical thing and skill is sort of like a mental thing. Uh, and then maybe with the added context of like talent is something you have and skill is something you like learn or acquire. Does that sound like a fair representation? And I think both are both are incorrect too, because I mean, you you see it all the time that players, you know, uh, remake kind of their physical to some degree, remake their physical abilities. Mm-hmm. Like once they reach the pros, they you know better shape, stronger. I you know, if you've listened to anything that Kyle Korver has said about this year. Uh, one of his the, the the secrets to his success has been you know just conditioning and, mm-hmm. and and in improving kind of those those physical traits and whether you know guys get in better shape guys get stronger or you know Kevin Love loses weight so he can be a little quicker have have more more uh, stamina mm-hmm. whether or not in in the context of you know his current situation in Cleveland he might be better off with <laughs> some of the added bulk is another question but yeah. still. <laughs> Um, you know, so that, you know, those physical abilities aren't immutable and, Mm -hmm. you know, they change over time as well. And, and just, just as one's, you know, shooting ability can improve and one's decision-making ability and, you know, the pick and roll or, Mm -hmm. or defensive rotations. So, 
um, treating either of them as kind of a static um, attribute is, is I think, wrong. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's really interesting to me about the two is, and the, the overlap is I think about, um, like I was sort of saying, not that that's necessarily accurate, that that talent right. is physical and, and that skill is mental, uh, but I think that's maybe sort of the... the, the um, the entry level perception or like the, the easy, the easy way to, to think about them is that there are things that are fine motor skill, which are like, I think about Steve Nash and so much of, of his uh, ability was like, obviously he was a great mental player and he could see things, but he had physical abilities that were fine motor. So not fast or, you know, not blazing speed, not jumping out of the, out of the gym, but you know, the ability to, you know, make a behind the back pass exactly on target with his off hand is a physical, you know, is a physical uh, ability. Um, but because it's sort of fine motor, it, it gets categorized as skill as opposed to talent. And there's a certain sort of, you know, again, we get focused so much on kind of the, the, the raw explosive movements, you know, <laughs> the, the first step and the jumping and, and stuff like that, where somewhat maybe more subtle skills like his kind of, um, and this maybe gets, this kind of leads into something about Kevin Love also, <laughs> but kind of a, uh, uh, his sort of just mobility, like, you know, he, he, he uh, he, he kind of can make a 270 degree turn, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. on, on like a dime. And that's like, that's an unusual to be able, you know, to be running one way and kind of be going, then turn and go diagonally backwards the other way while controlling the ball. That's, that's like a rare skill. And that's a, certainly a, an athletic, um, an athletically marvelous thing uh-huh. that allows him to, you know, find that, that extra pocket of space, that extra little bit of time to, you know, or the create the angle to make those plays mm-hmm. and um, to, you know, to, to relate it to, you know, Kevin love part of the reason why he maybe has struggled this year fitting in with, with, with Cleveland is, you know, that, that those kind of like subtle little, you know, slide pivot, um, you know, roll kind of stuff is wh- whether it's a function of, you know, his back not being great all year or whatever is he just doesn't quite have that kind of that, that mobility that kind of, you know, the, you know, moving from the, you know, the, the Nintendo four direction controller to like the PlayStation, like omnidirectional <laughs> thing, you know, is like he, he, up, he can go up, down, left or right, just fine. But if you want him to go like back into the left, it's, it, it doesn't quite work as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a, that's a different and, and finer thing, but that's also athleticism. And so do you think like, like in Love's case, uh, do you think that's a, um, you think that's a product of maybe injury or getting used to his teammates and his spots and new sort of responsibilities, or is that something where he didn't uh, he didn't have to respond in the same way when he was in Minnesota, um, and that he, you know, I, I you know like everywhere everybody there's sort of a tendency to to hyper focus on a single on a single skill and be like oh well he'll be great with LeBron because he shoots three pointers and you know and so you know, he can catch the ball at the elbow and and make the next pass and so naturally he will be you know an incredible pick and roll complement for for LeBron but but that there are some you know that there are some other components and there's some other sort of uh, uh, some physical pieces of that that he didn't have to do. Yeah, I think, and, and, you know, breaking that down between, you know, whether what's, you know, just this year with, uh, you know, the, the, the speculation is the, uh, is the back issues, which, mm-hmm. you know, seems to be, you know, borne out by him missing games. And it's been kind of reported on and off all year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's some of it. And some of it is, you know, he's he might just not be the most agile guy. It's, you know, you you uh, if you ever spent any time like watching the the mindless spectacle that is the, like the NFL draft combine, <laughs> they you know they talk for hours about guys who have good feet, mm-hmm. and it's you know the, the ability to to you know to make a make a move in one step instead of three, and mm-hmm. that's you know and not being specific to Kevin Love, but that's a you know especially for big guys who might not have like the straight line speed, the ability to 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 do that to you know make that one step shuffle instead of having to open your hips and turn and stuff like that mm-hmm. is a it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, it may be a nice segue here into the sport view stuff because, uh, you know, as we get closer and closer to being able to track, uh, track players movements, maybe that's something that, uh, that, uh, eventually we're sort of able to see, um, 
you know, big men moving uh, multi-directionally, uh, step counts and things like that. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not sure if that level of detail with the level of technology they currently have is, is maybe totally possible. But that's certainly, you know, a way to, to maybe um, more directly automate some of that stuff, which is, you know, still kind of eye test. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, it's very still very much like an eye test in terms of, you know, how how smooth someone someone moves. I mean, that mm-hmm. was a, a, you know, a big selling point for Joel Embiid. Uh, mm-hmm. Joel Embiid last last draft season was just how how kind of smooth his gait was and how, you know, and how like the things we're talking about, the mm-hmm. kind of the the naturalness of his pivot and stuff like that um, um, was a big selling factor. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, whether or not the, you know, foot issues and all that will will get in the way. Um, but yeah, but those are the kinds of things that, that you know, is an indicator of, of a different kind of athleticism that is, you know, important and valuable. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my favorite things <clears throat> that Henry Abbott wrote uh, a couple years ago was about, uh, it was about LeBron and Wade. So I guess it was the first year they were together in Miami. And um, it, <laughs> Henry had, had obviously just finished the book Born to Run. And, um, and uh, I had read it about the same time too. But the, the, uh, the book Born to Run, I won't be able to summarize it all, but it's 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 sort of about uh, this this tr- uh, tribe of of uh, of Native Americans who run barefoot, and they sort of have this totally different running stride, and it allows them to run barefoot, and they sort of don't have these these chronic uh, stress injuries that our runners have who run in these high tech you know running shoes and all this stuff. Um, and so he he was looking at Dwayne Wade's uh, stride versus LeBron's stride, and talking about how LeBron always runs on his toes, and uh, and Wade's stride sort of has this really hard heel strike. Um, and so there was sort of this this added stress component um, into into Le, uh, into Wade's stride, which was not there for LeBron. And then at that point, you know, Wade had sort of had this this growing history of lower leg injuries. Um, but it was such, it was a it was such an interesting way to think about. Um, yeah, just a movement uh, can sort of impact uh, what a player's doing. You're you're kind of I uh, I talked about I had uh, I had Robbie Calland on on, <laughs> uh, on on my podcast over the weekend, and, and we, we you're you're kind of daring me to to to, to open the the Paul George can of worms mm-hmm. and, and kind of and and that's basically why I think um, bringing him back at the end of the season is a bad idea. Is just that the yeah the the. the, the you know, I'm. I don't think he's going to break his leg again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you just, you, you know, a, a guy who hasn't gone through training camp and maybe he, he, he just runs just a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and that, you know, and that, you know, screws an ankle up or a calf or or a hip or something like that. And mm-hmm. then he's got that lingering into the off season, and then he, you know, builds strength on top of that dysfunction, and then so he comes in next year where he's he's stronger, but he's stronger on top of like a, you know. A nerve thing in his hip, and then then where are you? And mm-hmm. so that's I'm you know anyway that's uh, off Paul George soapbox. And I'm sorry because I know it hurts you to to to, to yeah. I, actually, what are your thoughts on on on? Uh, I mean, I know as a as a Pacers fan, I know uh-huh. you're you're happy to see him back, but just in terms of the the long term wisdom of it, um, it's hard because like. I mean, ultimately, you as a fan, you're just sort of taking it on blind faith that the training staff is considering all of these possible implications and is making the wisest choice. Um, and you know, I don't think the Pacers, I don't think the the, the training staffs, uh, when it comes to training staffs, they're sort of you know like the Phoenix Suns, uh, and you know uh, a few terrible ones who, who I won't name who sort of have horrible reputations for managing injuries, and then everybody else is just sort of a blob in the middle. And so you know the Pacers don't have a reputation, good or bad. Um, so yeah, you're just sort of taking it on faith that 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 everything's been looked at and everything's been considered and, and that it's okay for him to play. Uh, emotionally, it's, it's great to see him out there on the court. Uh, functionally, I, 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 I mean, I guess it's really, it's splitting hairs, but it seems like a chance to, to move up in the lottery is more valuable than making the playoffs. You know, there's not, it's not like there's a, it's not like there's a ton of youth on the play on the Pacers roster who are going to sort of gain valuable experience. Um, 
the roster is probably going to look really different next year anyway. Um, so it's not like there's sort of a, a, a bonus of continuity. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I'd just assume that they, uh, they, you know, just miss out and, and maybe get a chance to move up. Sure. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, the other half of, you know, I, I don't think that there's like a, a huge risk, but I'm, any risk measured against what, you know, as, as you're describing it as a, um, very questionable upside. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's, it's, you know, it's it, why, you know, why, why take the chance for, for no gain is almost the, the, and anyway, sorry, didn't mean to derail. But <laughs> no, we, no, no, no. You know, we, we're, we're, we're talking about like, you know, kinesiology and stuff like that. And it's, it's just so anyway, well outside um, my area of expertise, in, uh, you know, mine too but you know we're all doctors here so <laughs> uh, uh so given that it's been since november since uh since you've been on uh through a full season a lot of interesting work uh that you've done at nylon calculus and a lot of it has been done with the uh, with uh you know a, a second season of, of sport view data uh available and you've been able to play with some things so i wonder if you can talk about some of the fun stuff that you've sort of dug out of the sport view data this year some of the interesting work you've done um some of the the more interesting stuff is, I think, just looking at uh, at um, how much luck is involved in <laughs> in 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 kind of shooting and or defense, mm-hmm. um, and and not not uh, you know making or missing a shot is obviously a bit of skill, and everyone kind of has a has a like a not a true shooting percentage, but a true shooting percentage on a you know on every given shot. Mm-hmm. But around that, there's going to be you know. Given that there's a you know pretty limited sample size across an NBA season, there's going to be some some noise around that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know it, it's it's the, the you know the, it's the the adage that it's a make or miss league, and mm-hmm. you can get the best shots in the world, and they might not go in, or you can end up to you know to jacking contested twenty footers, and you might make four in a row. Mm-hmm. And 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 but just seeing how even across a full season, how much you know noise there is and stuff like that and how kind of much of our of, of kind of the narrative um view of of teams playing well or poorly is 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 based on kind of almost those coin flip things mm-hmm. you know um like uh, certainly early in the year when when Cleveland had some some you know questionable losses i remember there was there were at least 3 games where they lost you know you know to to decent but not great teams um you know comfortably but not getting blown out and those were games where you know john wall is shooting like six of eight on on mid-range pull-ups or mm-hmm. lou williams is is hitting threes with you know guys draped all over him or <laughs> or stuff like that and it's like well you know they probably they're probably unlucky to lose all three of those games because mm-hmm. they you know it's, they're playing you know the, the shots that beat them were contested shots that happened to go in mm-hmm. and they happened to miss open shots and you know okay there are things they could still have been doing better but at the same time the everybody panic was maybe a little a little overblown because you know the guys were just you know using all their turbo against them basically <laughs> so given that this uh that we've sort of been able to see maybe a little bit clearer the the size of of the impact of luck or randomness or whatever. Do you feel like that lends itself to emphasizing like offense or defense? Like I'm thinking about I'm thinking about specifically that shot making. And if so much of shot making is is random, um, does that uh, you know, does that increase the value of, of sort of like a marginal advantage like like shot selection and, and being really strict with your shot selection like the Rockets do? Or does that, um, you know, does that maybe lead a team towards throwing more effort onto the defensive side and, and um, you know, I, I don't know, setting things up a certain way? I, you know, I, I don't think that, that we're, we're much closer to being able to answer that mm-hmm. yet. Part of it is you know, by the numbers, we still don't know so much about defense yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's still, you know, there's, there's uh, all, all kinds of new numbers coming out. Um, not many of them are necessarily, you know, very, uh, very accurate in, in mm-hmm. the stated purpose, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they are accurate in, into, in what they are claiming to measure more or less. 
but the the interpretation on what they're measuring is you know stuff like uh the field goal percentage as closest defender is mm-hmm. just is so noisy that that it's that it's i i would say you know borderline meaningless as a as an evaluative stat at this point mm-hmm. um, well, just because there's so much else going on well, I was just going to say, I know that was something that we, like when we came back from the Sloan conference, there was the paper there, uh, Kirk Goldsbury's team, and they had this um, this algorithm which used the raw sport view data to assign uh, defensive responsibility. And I know you had a lot of questions going in, and then at the end of the presentation, somebody asked a question about um, uh, uh, like a place where there were, where there had been defensive rotations and there was maybe one big man on the back line and two open two open offensive players close to him and he was and so the question was who does your algorithm define uh, responsibility for in that case where there's sort of two open players uh that, that the defender should have responsibility for and the and the presenter said uh well you know our algorithm is actually more detailed than we maybe laid out in the paper and we actually split defensive responsibility so he's actually calculated as having responsibility for both of those offensive players sort of apportioned by different things and i, I know you had said for you that was like well, that's that's the ideal, you know. No, it's not a one-on-one uh, defense. Is not a one-on-one scenario, or not a series of one-on-one scenarios. Not not at all. It's mm-hmm. it's um, you know, even the the construct of offense as one player using a possession mm-hmm. is is problematic, but closer to correct than I think than than the idea of of one defender guarding that that one mm-hmm. player because mm-hmm. you're you're you know, not only do you have the the um, you're building in kind of the uh, un- the inexactness of defining the offensive possession as just that one player. Now you're completely ignoring everything else that happened before that player got the ball, mm-hmm. as well as where kind of the other four defenders are on the court and what they're doing, and and you know all sorts of all sorts of other factors mm-hmm. that that you know that you know make a difference in kind to, you know, what the defensive situation would be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that we're, um, it, this is interesting actually, cause I've, I've spoken to, um, you know, people with who, uh, people I would consider genuine experts on the subject mm-hmm. and, um, have gotten uh, 100% opposite answers in terms of how <laughs> close we are to being able to, you know, on, on one hand, it's, it's, it's a matter of, 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 uh, you know, computing power and analyst time, and mm-hmm. the other on the other on the other answer is um, that we're we're nowhere close to even having a th- kind of a theoretical model of it. Mm-hmm. And I've I've gotten both answers from 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 people who, uh, I, like I said, I would consider genuine experts and knowledgeable <laughs> on the subject. So um, I, I tend to be much more in the camp of we're not really super close, even from a, a, a theoretical standpoint mm-hmm. of. You know, maybe we'll we'll come up with a uh, uh, sometime soon. We'll come up with a with a, a team level mm-hmm. uh, way to analyze defense. But then going from there to um, individual, you know, point values to mm-hmm. players is hugely problematic. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I think we uh, the uh, various kind of one number metrics have had that problem on the offensive end or, mm-hmm. or kind of the, the box score level of, mm-hmm. of what, what, you know, are good indicators of, of team winning value. Mm-hmm. Apportioning those credits to individual players leads to some, um, unfortunate results and, um, arguments. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have an interesting question that just occurred yes, to me as we were talking, uh, and I hope this is not a monkey wrench, but given that you have a uh, an expressed, uh, um, I don't know if aversion is too strong a word, but f- uh, you have uh, some concerns about one number metrics and how they how they uh, estimate player value, and and some of it is about how they're presented. But given that your that that it seems like your perspective is that ultimately defense is a team construct. Uh, and 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 that the problem is we're trying to measure it at an individual level, and we sort of don't know how to disentangle them. Is it possible that where where um, 
is it possible that where maybe a bottom-up and a top-down approach on offense both have merit, that maybe on the defensive side, that maybe these top-down, all-in-one, sort of plus-minus metrics, because they're sort of starting with a team construct, that maybe that's a more appropriate way to measure defense, given that we don't have any, we don't have any sort of reliable, granular, individual defensive statistics? I mean, is it better? Maybe. Um... Is it good enough to base anything on? I don't think so mm-hmm. still yet. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, the, 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 you know, if, yes, if I'm 10% confident in my, in my <laughs> solution, that's better than being 5%. But, yeah. Okay. That's not, that's not a whole lot of confidence. No, that's just a, you know, that's a, I don't have like a, an R squared or anything for mm-hmm. any particular method. Yeah. That's just, you know, uh, uh, picking numbers out of a hat basically. So, um, I'm just thinking like, I'm just thinking from like a logical standpoint. So if if the idea is on the defensive side, all of these sort of individual actions are connected to the defensive actions of the other four players on the, on the floor. And it seems like, it seems like that's the primary challenge for measuring defense is that the individual actions that we can measure, even with things like sport view with closest defender distance and things like that, that those actions are connected to the actions of the other four players, that it seems like sort of that naturally implies that a top-down approach is sort of maybe the best way to capture everything. Uh, I'm totally maybe? playing devil's advocate. No, <laughs> I'm totally playing devil's advocate. Here. Yeah, no, I, I I see what you're saying, and I, and I'm just I'm I'm reticent to to, to buy in just because, mm-hmm. again, the, the 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 not knowing the hows and whys of the top down mm-hmm. kind of, um, okay, you can you can you can make an estimate that that such and such a player was more impactful than another player of mm-hmm. the given year, and where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. And in addition to the fact that you know the the, there's just kind of a huge margin of error both mm-hmm. ways on, on something like that. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, I, I don't think we're there yet where that, that, that even that produces something that's necessarily um, something you can hang a hat on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, something like defensive RPM, it's a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's, you know, as a data point, it's not, not not useful. Uh-huh. Just, uh, um, there should have been two knots, so it it, <laughs> it can be useful, uh-huh. um, but it's not. It's not again as, as I um, as I belabor. Uh, uh-huh. It's it's not rankings. It's not. It, it, it should not be taken as as a ranking. Mm-hmm. And and you know and it's 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 just one thing to to take into account, and and you know figuring out how that number is is you know the kind of ways in which that number can be. Um, distorted by by team con, con, uh, context and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and so you sort of spearheaded a lengthy discussion that we had at nylon calculus a few weeks ago about all-in-one metrics um and and most of that focus is on plus minus because I, I mean at this point when people are talking about all-in-one metrics they're really they're just talking about sort of different plus minus variations um and and it seemed like the uh, it seemed like the group consensus, if I could frame it that way, was that uh, that people um, generally felt like there was value in there, but that uh, the the caveat was that these metrics are um, maybe sometimes presented with a level of certainty that they don't warrant, uh, that that errors and um, uh, confidence intervals are not are not always presented alongside them um and that they sort of the nature of them unfortunately lends itself to misinterpretation as a ranking or as sort of a raw you know as a raw measure of comparison this player's rpm is this so therefore they're you know x much better than that player yeah that's i think that was the that was the consensus, and on you know, and on top of the the kind of the, the measurable statistical error, I also think that there's sort of uh, the additional kind of uncertainty of of you know what we don't know about the the, the kind of the input data, mm-hmm. even even using just you know on off uh, you know that, that that's kind of the baseline d- dependent variable of the re- regression basically is you know. We can visually see that that some possessions are played at different intensity than others. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes teams are experimenting, even if you filter out garbage time, so to speak. Like, you know, especially this time of the year, 
Um, teams are arresting guys. Teams mm-hmm. are are running plays for different people than they might be. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the 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 there's kind of an implicit assumption that everyone is always, uh, you know, playing at maximal you know effort and intensity and stuff like that. And that's you know that's demonstrably untrue. And mm-hmm. that's before we even get into things like, you know, guys playing with an with a nagging injury or or you know fourth game in five nights or second game of a back to back on the mm-hmm. road or. Versus a team that's that's that you know or you know so there's 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 you know I I don't think that they're useless and I think that that I'm, I've perhaps come off as too strident against them mm-hmm. um, at times but it's it's I I'll, I wish there was more effort put into some more of the bottom up stuff that a lot of really smart people are are pouring a lot of brain power into kind of eking tiny percentage improvements out mm-hmm. in, in these top-down metrics where there's just this vast realm of, of kind of, of new, more granular individual data that mm-hmm. we could be looking at to understanding, you know, other parts of the game better. And then maybe meeting in the middle mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as opposed to trying to go all the way down from the top. Do you think that that's, that some of this, the, the state or, or whatever, where we are with these metrics is sort of like a product of, of the data that we've had that, uh, you know, play-by-play data was around for a while and it, um, that sort of the, the pool of, of useful bottom-up data had, had, had been exhausted to some degree. And so, oh, so, yeah. so what absolutely. was left was trying to squeeze blood from a stone with, no, with plus-minus. And, and now, you know, with, with what's available publicly from SportView, all of a sudden there's sort of a lot more bottom-up information to, to incorporate. No, I 100% agree with that. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think when I've, I've written about this, I've recognized that, you know, Okay, we we got where we could get with you know box score regression and stuff like that, and so like the 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 next place to go was you know the the, the on off stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we have just you know kind of the box scores squared or cubed almost mm-hmm. with 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 you know um, and probably more coming and and other sources you know of of information too. So um, there's just you know there's exponentially more of that kind of individual achievement on a finite level data that we can we can dig into and Mm -hmm. and and i I guess my my frustration with the top-down numbers is that i just i wish that the really smart people who spend a ton of time on that would spend more time going the other way Mm -hmm. because you know i you know the two of us are 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 you know kind of at the bleeding edge of our of our uh, our formal mathematic capabilities with some of the stuff we do and and we and we know people who have far more skills in that area than we do and and you know but it seems to be that they're you know devoting time uh, to building the perfect ridge regression mm-hmm. of of on off data which is you know which is neat but it's also how much better is it going to get mm-hmm. so do you think um... This is maybe a bigger picture analytic question, but uh, it strikes me that there is a that there are competing markets for analytics, and that they are all jumbled together somewhat. You know, like there are what teams are looking for is very different than what the average Joe is looking for on ESPN, and and you know that a, a, a huge chunk of fans just want to know is. James Harden better than Stephen Curry this year, and they're looking for you know a sort of a simplistic way to to answer that question. Um, you know, whereas for uh, you know at the team level in building a roster, that sort of question has has no value or impact or importance at all, and never gets would never even be brought up. Like yeah, the, the the name the top ten point guards go discussion. <laughs> it, it just doesn't. Like, you know, it doesn't happen. Yeah. At, at, at like, I, I, you know, I, I don't think, I think I would need more than both hands to, mm-hmm. to count the number of, of different, of people from like different teams that I've heard some variation of, yeah. of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like, no, we would never, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Like, who is, who's got time for that nonsense? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so and, that, you know, that's, and that's, that's, you know, it's the, the way they're consuming the game is, mm-hmm. is, is different. And so it's, it's not necessarily that the, uh, the, the fan is wrong for mm-hmm. wanting, wa- wanting rankings though. It's, it's not something that necessarily floats my boat. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's an aesthetic judgment yeah. rather than, than, you know, it's something that, that everyone must abide by. 
So then maybe some of this push and pull about analytics and one one number metrics and things like that is the problem of uh, people are looking for different things and ev- because it's analytics and it's still sort of to some degree niche, it's all lumped into the same pot, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, even we were talking about this before we started, but even at Nylon Calculus, you know, like we have, we have some people uh, on our staff who are sort of interested in media jobs and so they approach analytics that way in sort of using analytics to tell stories and try and hook a larger audience and then we have people on our staff who are interested in working for teams and they approach analytics that way and so we sort of have this, you know, um, I mean, it's to- we've gotten this criticism before and it's totally fair that the content at, at Nylon Calculus is is fairly uneven sometimes. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we were even talking about this around Sloan that we had some people who were like, man, you got to do more narrative content, you know, like we, we you guys kill that narrative stuff. We got to do more of that. And then, you know, turn around a few, few, uh, you know, hours later and somebody be like, man, you guys got to do hours. more like really yeah. a few minutes later, 10 you minutes. Gotta, yeah, you guys got to do more of that, like really long, really in-depth research stuff, you know, and it's, it's, uh, that there's, uh, you know, when it comes to analytics, there's uh, there's a demand coming from a lot of different areas, and it's sort of uh, it's sort of all getting served by the same spot. And so, you know, some people are always unhappy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I one thing I just to the you know you're talking about that I think that there is more of a and maybe this is me you know hoping that wishing would make it so, mm-hmm. but I think that there is more of an appetite for kind of uh, you know bottom up nitty gritty analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, than is than is necessarily given credit for. I mean, I think there's always going to be a market for rankings. I mean, mm-hmm. there wouldn't there wouldn't be you know there wouldn't be the constant stream of top ten x mm-hmm. if you know. And but even from the bottom up, I mean, you can you can you know I I could certainly like write you know stuff based on kind of rim protection data about you know the top ten rim protectors in the mm-hmm. NBA. And and that's and even that is you know that's a that's certainly a more bottom up way of 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 looking at things and and you know a, a, a smaller level way to look at the game not just like is James Harden better than Steph Curry, which is you know kind of a meaningless question because mm-hmm. you know at the at, at least between guys at that level like they're so close that you know how do you answer that question without looking at, at other, other factors? Mm-hmm. And at that point, at that point, you're talking about, you know, who else is on the Rockets? Who else is on the Warriors? Yeah. You know? and, then, and, and then are we really talking about Steph Curry and James Harden? Or are we talking about, you know, them in the position that they're, they're put mm-hmm. and, then, you know, so I don't know. A little plug for Justin Willard, this, podcast will run on Tuesday and Justin wrote a great post uh, at Nylon Calculus yesterday Monday um, basically looking at this exact same thing with with uh, Westbrook and Harden and, and they're totally different and they're both great and really that's what's important is that they're both great even though they're totally different yeah and uh, and and who knows who who should be MVP yeah um, <laughs> and we can stay away from that one yeah um, uh, it, it, I I've, I've changed my mind like four times in the last four days about mm-hmm. if, if I had a ballot, who I would vote for. I think it's I've, I've at, at a certain point each of the last four days, I've landed on on each of of Westbrook, Harden, Curry, and James. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I I don't know. <laughs> I probably threw my threw my lot in a little early and went with Westbrook just. Uh, uh, when it comes to things like that, I can divorce pretty pretty strongly from the analytics and just viscerally watching Westbrook just chew people up was was it for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know about now. Um, but I did. So I want to uh, I want to move away from the general just a little bit and touch on one more thing. Um, you wrote one piece about it, and it's something we've been talking a lot about uh, in the thread and conversations with other people. Um, is the idea of uh, pace. And uh, we talk, teams talk about pace all the time. Uh, everybody wants to push the tempo. Um, and it, pace has sort of been on the, uh, has been sort of on people's minds, especially this year, because the Golden State Warriors um, played a really fast pace the way it's typically measured. Uh, and that's something you would expect to see with a great offensive team. But the Warriors are also one of the best defensive teams in the league. And it's really, really rare to see a team play 
fast tempo and also be really good at defense, even on uh, on an efficiency standpoint. But you sort of uh, were playing with the idea that there are two different kinds of pace, that there's offensive pace and defensive pace. And I should say you're not the only one. Adam no, Mayers wrote one. about think... this yesterday, too, and a few other people as well. And and uh, and uh, Mike Bowie, if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. his name correctly, at, at Inpredictable yeah. has, has written some... He's been on it this year, too. Some, some very, very good stuff on that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean... I, I think that actually uh, uh, Mike at, at Unpredictable, uh, he, he, he put this really well and that, you know, one way to think about defense is kind of uh, is a measure of, of, of denial. So if mm-hmm. you're, if, uh, you know, good defense is, um, you know, making the other team turn down their first option. So <laughs> if they're turning down their first option, that took time. Yeah. So now they're going to the second option. And if you defend that well that's more time. And, mm-hmm. you know, every time you're, you're making a team, you know, take the three to five seconds to get to their next little thing. Well, that you know, you do that, you know, 10 times in a game, you've just, you know, you've shaved three possessions off the game all of a mm-hmm. sudden. Um, and, and so that's, you know, so playing good defense is in a way antithetical to pace because to pace as measured in terms of just numbers of possessions, because, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, good defense means the other time is spending more time to find a good shot on offense mm-hmm. with, you know with the caveat that good deeds can also be you know forcing turnovers and stuff like that but that's 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 relatively minor because you know turnovers aren't uh, most possessions aren't don't end in turnovers regardless of of you know how how bad kentucky's offense is at the end of a national semifinal game <laughs> shall we say um, yeah um so uh, can you explain briefly why do you think Golden State has been able to master this equation that other people haven't, where they are playing at a fast pace offensively and simultaneously uh, playing slow defensively? I think it's from the hip. It's it's they're so much faster offensively, mm-hmm. and and big part of that is you know a problem that even teams that want to play at pace have is when they get scored on, they walk the ball four. Mm-hmm. Um, Golden State is still, you know, um, I, I think when I looked at it, uh, um, they were the only team that kind of got into their offense in under 10 seconds after made baskets. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, getting into their offense is kind of a nebulous construct. But for, you know, comparing apples to apples on, on whatever definition that the, the data I had was using, and I believe it was, you know, the first time the ball crosses the three-point arc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were the only team that took less than 10 seconds after the opponent made a shot to, to, to get something going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, so that's the, 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 the kind of that dedication to, you know, this thing that uh, D'Antoni talked about, at, uh, at at Sloan a little bit was it's not it's not sprinting up and down the court as much as it is all right let's let's get moving yeah let's just stay moving stay moving and and you know if if we do that every time we'll get a, a fair amount of of good open early looks and I think that's a big part of what they're doing and mm-hmm. it, you know it doesn't hurt that you know you have a guy who can dribble down and pull up from twenty seven feet and, <laughs> and have that be a perfectly fine shot yeah. Um, and, and, and the defensive side is, is interesting because the, so the Warriors, uh, play, you know, they, they switch a lot and the, the way their, uh, their roster allows them to sort of, uh, cross match a lot, uh, and, and manage and survive on some of those possessions. Do you think that's something that, uh, since that's sort of allowing them to, to do this dichotomous pace, do you think that's something that sort of, uh, becomes more attractive to other teams around the league? Well, the weird thing about that is, since they they're playing, you know, that's the for so much of the small ball style, they're mm-hmm. they're pretty vulnerable on the um, uh, to off excuse me to offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about something that you know kills pace of play in terms of again in terms of number of possessions. It's mm-hmm. you know it's a trip where a team gets three or four shots, mm-hmm. and so that that's that's that almost makes their their ability to play so fast even more impressive. Is is you know uh, they. And, uh, a lot of time, you know, having the other team, you know, relatively speaking, having the other team, you know, kind of playing volleyball on the on the, on the, the backboard a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and so um, that's kind of the downside to the to the to the the small, versatile, switchy lineup mm-hmm. is that you might give up some some there. Um, I think that uh, this is something we've I think Chris Long wrote about this for our site and 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 uh, had. Discussed it with uh, 
a lot of people on Twitter is, mm-hmm. is it seems like pace is about two thirds the offense, one third the defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, basically the um, the the offense has has the speed they want to play, and sometimes the defense is able to to alter that, and some and sometimes they aren't. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sort of how it comes down to. So pace is still, I guess, it's still primarily an offense stat, but not completely. Is, well, is I think how how I would come out on it. Um, it's funny because there's sort of this old uh, like coaching conventional wisdom that if the other teams, uh, you know, if the other team wants to play fast, then you sort of go out of your way to to slow the pace down to sort of you know uh, short circuit their preferred tempo. So you think that's a possibility too? Watching the Warriors this year, that the teams are sort of playing into that on the defensive side, that they're sort of uh, slowing down their own offensive pace in an effort to to you know uh, uh, slow the game down. Um, maybe that's, I mean, that's one of those, those, those questions that if like, and trying to find analytic evidence of that is maybe tougher than mm-hmm. it is to find, look, you, you know, watching the game Oh, well, this game's going to be a rock fight. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you, just, you, you can get that, you can get that feel, you know, three minutes into a playoff game mm-hmm. versus a game where people are going up and down all, all the, the whole game. So, um, I don't know. That's, 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 you know, uh, that's an excellent question. I think is whether or not that that's the kind of thing that would get a team out of its own game, or maybe convince, uh, or not convince, or force the Warriors to play at a tempo not of their choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of you know even those kind of matchup and style issues, I think, all play a big part in you know who has kind of edge in a playoff series. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know. That one of the things about the Warriors being so good with their small lineups is, I think that you know they kind of force most most teams to try to match those kind of lineups, or else risk just getting run off the court. And mm-hmm. then you know, regardless of where the game is being played, so it's almost a road game for the other team because they're 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 you know playing the game where Golden State wants to, with, mm-hmm. you know, with you know the four small four on the court for each team and then that's 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 a you know that's a that's a uh, uh you know an environment that the warriors are far more comfortable in than you know anybody else mm-hmm. so that's you know advantage them but maybe you feel like you have to do that because otherwise okay your two big guys are chasing their third and fourth small forwards and, and just not able to do anything mm-hmm um, thinking about the warriors more generally heading into the playoffs it seems like they do some things that um uh maybe don't fit with sort of like the popular perception of like what, what makes champions, you know, that they're, um, you know, that they rely heavily on jump shooting, that they play at a fast pace offensively, you know, they play small ball, maybe not great on the glass. Um, it seems like they are not, it's, it seems like heading to the playoffs, they are not as heavy favorites as they should be given, given how dominant they've been this regular season and how historic their point differential is. I mean, I haven't looked uh, in the past couple of days, but for most of the season, it's pretty much been in the territory of, of, you know, Jordan Bulls teams and, and nobody else. It's like Jordan Bulls team, like the, uh, the Lakers that won 33 in a row mm-hmm. is kind of the, the, yeah. Um, yeah, um, I mean, part of that is we've just we've we've never seen a team kind of like you know that that is like them. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to the extent you want to compare them to the the those ball teams, it's actually like stylistically, not. I mean, those ball teams didn't necessarily play at a huge pace, but mm-hmm. in terms of kind of you know almost playing small ball and then and and having some you know a lot of versatility, defensive versatility on the wings and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not, the, it's not the worst comparison, but the difference is like, you know, Steph Curry isn't Michael Jordan. You know, yeah. Steph Curry isn't like you just we've never seen where where the guy who is like the and we have a guy who can just take over anytime. We we haven't seen this kind of construct with that guy being you know a wispy jump shooter basically, mm-hmm. oh, and and that's you know reductive to Steph obviously. Yeah. But, Still, you know, it, obviously there there are certain things that like a, a Jordan or a LeBron can do. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the, the like the Bulls' last title team, they won in large part because you know MJ is like, all right, I'm going to go in there and five guys are going to hit me really hard, and then I'm going to make two free throws, and then I'm going to do it again, <laughs> and then I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And 
you know, that's one of those things like, do the Warriors have that? Then again, is that, is the kind of defense where, you know, that five person mall is, <laughs> is going to happen. Is that something that, that is still like allowed in, yeah. in, in, you know, modern playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. So I think that the reticence, at least, on, and I've certainly been someone who's been, you know, slow to come around on the Warriors, mm-hmm. like as in terms of all time greatness. Yeah. Um, and that's still kind of, that's, that's still the question I have is, you know, we haven't, until we see it, we haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard to totally credit it until until we do, you know. So heading into the playoffs, would they be your favorite? Would you? I mean, obviously, I think you'd. I, I assume you'd take the field. But uh, is there? You know, if you had to pick a single team, is there anybody else you'd you'd uh, you know look favorably on uh, above the Warriors? I, I mean, I think it's it's the 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 the, the facile answer is to say the Cavs, just because they're you know um, they just seem have like they have an easy path mm-hmm. to, to, to get there I mean if you want to say who like the you know in a vacuum the best team is it's probably the Warriors but in terms of you know the, the those little bit of chances of them getting upset mm-hmm. you know in maybe less so the the first round series but at least the second round series I mean are are, are the Cavs really like are, are the Bulls as constituted really that much of a threat to the to the Cavs <laughs> especially as compared to who, you know, who's the, who's going to be the Warriors second round matchup. It's going to be like the Clippers or the Rockets or the Grizzlies or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like those teams have a better chance against the Warriors than, you know, than the, the, the Bulls with or without, you know, this year's Derrick Rose Mm -hmm. have against Cleveland, but that's, you know, and then, you know, the Spurs are better than the Hawks when it comes to the playoffs and the conference finals too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, um, uh, again, assuming that's the conference finals is, would be the Warriors and the Spurs. So, you know, the Spurs, let's put it this way, the Spurs are, by a decent margin, the, the toughest team either the Warriors or the Cavs would likely play on their road to the finals. So, mm-hmm. you know, the Cavs, probably the best chance of winning it all just because, you know, getting there is, is you know, half of winning the championship, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, other than just general playoff basketball, are there are other things you're really excited to see. Matchups you're looking forward to. Um, I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of basketball porn wrapped up in the like a Warriors versus series. Um, <laughs> I, I want to see uh, you know um, uh, uh, um, like Kawhi guarding Steph if that's going to be a thing that happens, or Danny uh-huh. Green guarding Steph. Yeah, if that's the thing that happens, or even if they play Memphis, if Tony Allen guards them, I, I, <laughs> I'm I'm interested to see like what it would look like if a team was able to just put like a big dude on him for a series and see you know how that would would he wear down? Would he be able to? Would he be as effective? Would he be? Uh, would he just be too quick and run away from him and have to get out of it? I'm that's something I'd be interested to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, uh, I mean, if you could pick a dream matchup, would you, would you still pick the Cavs or would you rather watch the Hawks, uh, match up with somebody from the West? I mean, the, the first Hawks Warriors game was the best basketball game of the season. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, if, if they could play at that level, I would watch seven games of that <laughs> super gladly. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, take as much of that as we can get. Yeah.